Hebrews 5, 1-6. Uh, Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So we are getting a traditional view of how the high priesthood functioned. Mm-hmm. I want you to notice that most of the time, the Lord will do something in the Old Testament that Jesus will later on fulfill. Mm-hmm. So, whereas Judaism is stuck in the old patterns, those were just patterns to reveal the real. So, here, Paul was explaining how the high priest worked in that day. So, it was just somebody that was appointed. In that case, it wasn't anybody because it was specifically Aaron's lineage, which were the Levites. This scripture is saying that normally, traditionally, a person is appointed from that lineage to be high priest to stand before God on behalf of people's sin. So verse two, please. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. Wow. So this high priest was not pure. He was not greater like God didn't say, hey, this one is holy, he's beyond weakness, he's beyond sinning, so this is why he's high priest. No, he had all the problems that humans have, they would sin. Because of his sin and because of his weakness, he dealt with the people gently because they were just like him. Next verse, please. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. So great. In the case of this high priest, because he was also a sinful man, he will offer those sacrifices first for himself. Because Mm -hmm. he has to be cleansed before he can go offer for other people. And if you guys notice, even with the courts of heaven, what we teach is first go and deal with your stuff before you begin to take other people into the courts. Because before you start doing things like that, you have to be clean yourself. Mm. Yeah. So these people understood those principles. And because they knew that they weren't perfect, they had to offer sacrifices for themselves before they would offer for others. Thank you. Next verse, please. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. It's an honorable position, but you can't self-appoint yourself. In Aaron's case, God had appointed him, and that was how the priesthood began. God summoned him and made him a priest. A priest is not someone that is born into it. You're supposed to be appointed by God. It's not like how we... (laughs) We self-appoint ourselves. You know, one minute you hear this person made themselves a pastor. Tomorrow they become a prophet. Next tomorrow they become an apostle. It, it did work that way. Next verse, please. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. So now we've moved from the order of things for the earthly man, right? Now we are going to God the Son. God the Son also did not self-appoint himself. And in order for God the Father to appoint him, God the Father made him his son. Can you guys see that making God the Son his son was an appointment that God gave him? 
So I want you to pause there. Go to Psalm 2. And let's talk about Jesus Christ becoming God the Son. Because I find that many people question. They will say, why will Jesus be God? And then you still call him Son of God. Because people look at it in natural ways. Son of God is an appointment. So in the beginning, he was not Son of God. He was God. When they started creating, the Godhead created and they said, let us make man in our image. But a day came where God said, Sally, can you read what God said? You are my son. Today I have become your father. Today I have become your father. So he said, today you have become my son. Today was that day in the beginning of God's entire existence or was that day later on? So Marie will have you go to Psalm 2 and begin to read verse by verse. But let's have it in mind that becoming the son of God was an appointment. See how it started, right? How God explained the high priest. Of course, Sally, will get back to you because we need to finish that up. But I just want to insert this part. Then we'll get back to that high priest. Because being his son and being a high priest are two different roles. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? So the peoples are raging. Other translations talk about kings, right? The rulers. Does anyone have another translation that mentions like kings and rulers, why they rage? It says, why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord. Good. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather against the Lord. And his anointed one. And his anointed one. Okay. Every one of you. Can you imagine Russia, Nigeria, U.S., Canada, Rwanda, Kenya, Mexico, Puerto Rico, India, China, are they gathering together? Is that what is happening, that they are conspiring against God and his anointed one? When we read the word, I want us to look into Revelation and look past, oh, I'm just reading this very nice story. So these are leaders, authorities in high Mm -hmm. places. They are conspiring Other translations say that they are taking counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So I think that is very clear to us that it is the father and the son, right? Mm -hmm. God, the father and Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the anointed, right? Because the anointed one is Messiah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So my question was that. Would you imagine this like literal nations and literal kings and rulers gathering together, taking counsel? Oh, this one will say, you know what? We have to conspire against God and his anointed. We have to do something about them. We have to come against them. Oh, we have to find a way to put them asunder. Can you imagine like the leaders of the world right now and with all these nations now gathering together, maybe having a round table, they're trying to form a world order to conspire against God and his anointed. I want you to hold that thought. And then I want Marie to continue to verse three. Let us break their bonds in pieces 
and cast away their cords from us. Their bonds, B-O-N-D-S. So they know that the Father and the Anointed One are like this. There's a bond they have together. <sighs> Don't be confused. I'm just making you guys think. No, I'm thinking loud. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you read like this and at first you see that, okay, it's saying nations and the peoples are conspiring and taking counsel. And then you begin to hear leaders and rulers and kings. I want you to begin to see principalities, begin to see powers, begin to see authorities, begin to see the devil and his cohorts. Because the anointed cherub, which is Satan, remember he also had a bond with God. He was made with instruments. You can read that in Ezekiel 28. He was the anointed cherub and he was so glorious. There was none like him. So he was also anointed, but he is not the anointed one, but he broke his own bond. He came and broke his own bond with God. We also read in, in Genesis six, that not only him, but there were also the Benai Elohim, the sons of God. God had other sons. Not comparable to God the Son. The Benai Elohim are totally different. Those ones saw the daughters of men and came to earth and began to lay with these women. And some of them took them into another realm. Anathalem? Yes, exactly. The Nephilims, yes. They became that when they fell. So I want you to see other beings, other spirit beings that were powerful. They had a bond with God, but they broke away. So these rulers and these kings that are conniving together, they broke their own bond. So they are attempting to break the bond between God the Father and God the Son. Good luck. <laughs> it doesn't work. Exactly. Okay, I just brought in the new world order just to jog your thoughts. Okay. Yeah, it was just to jog your thoughts and give you examples so that you don't look at the here and now. Yeah. Yeah, you don't look at just the physical or normal things we have been listening to, but to look before this time and before Messiah became the son of God. It's divide and conquer. He knows that if he's able to break that, good luck to him if he can ever do that. He can never do that. But he knows that when he is able to break that bond, whatever they think in their mind, the next verse there talks about Removing the cord from them. Cast their cord from them. Mm -hmm. So their weird mind is thinking that God and the anointed one are powerful because they are united. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we break their bond, then we can cast their cord, their yoke away from us. They will not be able to oppress us anymore. They won't be as powerful over us anymore. Right. Exactly. So now it makes more sense to you when you see Jesus in Gethsemane crying blood, praying blood and saying, oh, I would love that this cup be taken away from you, but not my will, but my father's will. So, you know, at that point, you begin to wonder what is in this for me anyway? Yeah. 
why do I have to go through this anyway? I can just back away. Like, I don't have to deal with this. What I want to bring out of this Uh is for you to see that there were forces beyond the here and now that gathered together, conspired together. They were taking counsel from each other, finding ways to break the bond between God and the anointed one. And they believe that by breaking that bond, they will no longer be under the authority. Hmm. That's do that to us too, right? Break our bond. Yes. I love that you brought that in because I want you to look at your marriages. I want you to look at your great friendships, you know, your God relationships, the relationships you have that are fearful. The enemy will come in to break that bond. And it just takes something very little and we're like, girl, bye. (laughs) (laughs) The source of all this is the enemy knows that if he can divide, then he will conquer. Because you're going to sit there and it's going to be a miserable life when you can't fix things with your husband. And, you know, you're just having all these issues. So the enemy wants to divide. So that he can conquer. The motive behind this is so that we can not be strong enough, like you said, stronger together to oppress him anymore. I'm telling you, the more we are, the better. The more we are doing the work of God, the more we are releasing blessings over people, breaking bondages off of people, praying over our nation. The more we are, the more effective we are. It's truly in the numbers. One can chase a thousand, two would chase 10,000. It's not 2,000, 10,000. So it's very powerful what union, what having a bond with people of God can do. I am so excited about my book, Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. God is amazing. I can go on and on and think about what the Lord has done so far, but You know, I just wanted to get on here and thank you so much for all the the support. And thank you for all the feedback I've been getting. Thank you for purchasing this book and buying for loved ones. Some of you bought like seven copies. Some of you bought like five copies. I am so delighted. God wants us to not only stay on the outskirts and say, hey, come, come here, come here. He wants us in his kingdom realm with him. He wants to show us heaven. When Jesus Christ tore the veil, when he died and he took us into heaven, he seated us in heavenly places with God. So right now we are in that seated position. (laughs) It is just an endless life of growing our spirit man. So I found out that when Adam and God were interacting in the beginning, it was all about a spiritual interaction. So he made you and I to have a spiritual interaction consistently. What stopped that? What took us away from that? This is all and so much more you will encounter in Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. So I want you right now, I want to encourage you. Go for it. Go grab your copy. Please grab your copy. Tell me about it. Tell me what the Lord is already doing in your life. Tell me what the Lord is doing in the life of the loved one you will also buy the copy for. 
I encourage you to give the gift of a spirit.